Tell you what, uh, tonight is a, it's a great night, isn't it? It's a great afternoon. It's going to lead into a, a super evening. Ours started about four this morning when our oldest grandson came running into the house, through the house saying, it's Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Eve. And I'm like, go back to bed. Poppy, don't play that game. Go back to bed. <laughs> well, welcome. My name is Bob Martin. I have the uh, wonderful privilege of being one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, I just want to echo everything that you've heard. Uh, if you're looking for a church home, come visit with us uh, anytime during the weeks, uh, even the weekdays. It doesn't have to just be on Sunday morning. Um, however, we can uh, pour our heart out to you and be a part of your community, uh, the greater uh, that will be for our community collectively together. Well, I want to share a couple of things uh, this, this afternoon. And first of all, uh, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Would you agree with that? I think it is, but, but sometimes uh, Christmas isn't the, most time, isn't the most wonderful time of the year because of what's happening. You know, there's certain things that are happening with us, there's certain things that are causing us stress, there are certain things that are uh, not making us feel kind of the Christmas spirit. So uh, because of what's happening in our lives sometimes doesn't make Christmas the most time of the, wonderful time of the year. But what does always make it the most wonderful time of the year is not what's happening, but what's happened. It's not what's happening, but what's happened. You know, at Easter, we celebrate a one-time event, and that one-time event is we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the empty tomb. But when we enter into the Advent season, into the Christmas season, we really are building it up to those moments of getting to that point of, of the story of what it meant for God to enter into the world through human flesh and for God to come into the midst of our brokenness and to give us something to celebrate. And what that means is, is that God sent his son, Jesus. And when Jesus is in your life and Jesus is in my life, when Jesus is in our lives together, our lives have a strong foundation. And when we have a strong foundation, we have the ability with God's help to navigate through any and all challenges and pressures that come into our life. And we really have hope of everything that we see. There's a sense that uh, Christmas isn't always the most wonderful time of the year because of, of who's with us. You know, sometimes we struggle. We, we, we come in blended families. We come in all kinds of families. Some of us feel like we're, we're kind of torn apart. Who are we going to spend Christmas with this year? I talked to one family recently said, well, it's not our year with the family, but next year maybe. And so we, we feel those things that kind of pull at us. So it's not always the most wonderful time of the year because of who's with us and more importantly, who's not with us. But what we find out is Christmas can be an anchoring point for us because of who's for us. And that is that God is for us. And, and what we know that through the birth of Jesus into the world, that no matter what the darker times are, no matter how dark life can get in those moments, no matter how complicated they can become, because God chose to come into our world at Christmas time, we can see a huge difference and our life can truly make, make a difference in the world. If you grew up in the church, you, you remember that uh, when you turn into the New Testament, there's four books that begin the New Testament. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're the accounts of Jesus' life. And those four gospel writers give us a glimpse, a, a personal glimpse as to what Jesus' life was all about. It's interesting that um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, have a lot of similarities. In fact, Matthew and Luke are the only two gospels of the four that record the birth story of Jesus in some way. 
John's gospel is totally different. John's gospel doesn't begin or nor does it talk about the birth of Jesus because John has a greater message, a message that, that is more of a, a Christology, the understanding of who Jesus is as the Christ in our lives. And John writes it in such a way that's a very powerful testimony. Now, when John wrote his gospel, he was, a, he was an old man. And my guess is that uh, the older you get and the more that you want to tell a story, the more it prompts you to write it down. Anybody ever have that happen? You want to record things to hand down to your kids, your grandkids, and, and, and people that you know? Well, John finds himself as that. And I, and I can imagine that John is sitting down and he's writing his gospel because he has this sense of urgency. He wants the world to know what he knows, what he would testify to, what he saw, what he lived when he walked with Jesus during those years of ministry together. And we know that as we flip to the book of Acts, which is after uh, the Gospels, we, we also know that there are many instances where John is telling about the stories of Jesus over and over and over again. You may not know this, but, but John is the person who summarized the name of God into one word. John said, let me make it simple for you. John said, let me kind of boil it down. Let me just kind of center it on one thing. God, uh, John said that when we, when we understand the name of God, there's one word, and that word is love. And John says uh, he, that God is the one that is so amazing. And, and, and John had seen God. God had, John had been a part of this ministry with Jesus. And John had experienced who God was in all aspects of his life. And he was a very old man, and, and his experiences illuminated so many things. And you can imagine uh, what, what John saw during that time of his life. When he became a Christian, when he became persecuted, when people didn't uh, like because of what he believed in Jesus, he saw his friends die. He lost family members, and in some ways he almost lost, and in some ways he did lose his entire society and his entire culture. John was alive when uh, Nero was the emperor of Rome, and, and Nero sent General Vespasian into Galilee, and General Vespasian had one mission, and that mission was to start from Galilee and work all the way through all of the Jewish cities and townships, and to make sure that he was wreaking havoc and slaughtering thousands and thousands and thousands of Jewish men, women, and children. And those that weren't killed by General Vespasian well, were actually sold into slavery into the Roman markets. John lived through that. John saw that. John experienced that. John lived through the time when Vespasian left his son at the uh, gates of Jerusalem. And he stood there, and, and John spent many of his years in Jerusalem. And it was those many years that he was there that it formulated his life and gave him his life experiences. So Jerusalem was near and dear to the Apostle John. And John was, was either in the city or he was outside but heard about it when all of a sudden Rome started cracking down. And in 70 AD, over a million Jewish people were, were killed and again, sold into slavery, those that had survived. John either heard about it or he was an eyewitness of when the temple was destroyed and the war began as people began to pour down and rain down upon his people. By the time that John had written his gospel, his, his friend, the Apostle Paul, and his friend Peter were, were dead. They were executed by Nero. And through all of that, through all of that chaos, through, through all the things that John had seen, through all of the troubles, through all the darkness that was there, it's amazing that John never lost his faith. 
John never lost his faith. In fact, at the end of his gospel, he writes these words. He says, Jesus performed many other signs. And he's talking about how Jesus, he had seen all of these eyewitness accounts of Jesus' miracles. But John says, Jesus performed all these other signs in the presence of his disciples. So Jesus didn't do these miracles in, in private. He did them in front of the disciples, and he said there were so many other things that Jesus did, too many to account for, that I couldn't even put them all in this gospel or this book. He's saying, I've just given you a taste, just a small glimpse of what God is doing. And then he writes these words. You know, why, why is he writing this gospel? He says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And now, John doesn't just tell us that, uh, just as, as a slick way of, of putting some oratory piece into his writing. John doesn't say, just read that and, and think about it for a second. John says, I want you to read these words. I want you to understand about the life of Jesus. I want you to be uh, overcome and overwhelmed by the power and the transformation of the Holy Spirit. That you don't just think that you have faith, but that you actually live it. And he wrote this so that you and I would have a different kind of life. And that life would be in Christ. And that life would be a life everlasting. In spite of what John had seen, in spite of what John had smelled, and in spite of all the things that John had experienced at the end of his life, and think about it, at the end of his life, it was total destruction. Family were killed, friends were killed, the temple had been destroyed. He was almost a man without a nation. He was um, uh, moving into um, exile at that particular point. John still believed, even after all of that, that Jesus was the sole source of life. So when we begins his gospel, John doesn't begin with a birth story. He doesn't give us the, the genealogy of Jesus like Matthew does to make sure that everybody knows that Jesus is connected into the genealogy of Abraham so that our Jewish friends will know that Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't give us the account that gets read on so many Christmas Eves from Luke's gospel talking about a census and Joseph and Mary and, and their borough making their way into Bethlehem for a census. John says that, you know, something else is going on. And, and I love what he writes toward the end of his gospel. He says at that moment when Jesus is on the cross that uh, John is there with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Jesus looks down at Mary and he says, Mary, behold your son, John. John is now your son. And he looks at John and he says, John, behold your new mother, your mother Mary. In other words, John, take care of Mary. Love her. And from what we can tell is uh, we're not really sure whether Mary and John, after the resurrection, all where, where they went. Some say they went into Ephesus. But what we do know is that many scholars believe that John stayed with Mary and he took care of her until the day of her death. And imagine if you're John, how you got to hear the stories of the birth of God. How you got to hear the stories of the birth of Jesus. And, and it's almost as if he and Mary were together, and he'd say, Mary, tell me one more time, what did it feel like to carry the child of God inside of you? Mary, what, did it, what was it like to hear the angel say that, that, Mary, you have been selected to be this special person? And, and Mary, you know, what does it mean uh, to know that you gave birth to the Son of God? Tell me what that's all about. And you can imagine that because of John's testimony, and because of who he was and what he had done and where he was, was and who he was with, that he was almost like a rock star in his time, that wherever he went, Christians would follow him. And they would say those same words, John, tell us about Jesus. 
John, tell us about his birth. And John, as he's writing his gospel, he's also remembering the fact that, that dark days are happening in, in his life and in the life of his people. But he also recalls how during Jesus' birth there were dark days. There was a dark time that, that Jesus was born into a dark world, a world that was filled with sin. And as he sat down to write his gospel before he got into the narrative, he mentioned the details of Jesus uh, performed by the miracles and in the darkness of the world. Then John begins to write some powerful words, the birth of Jesus this way. And here's what he says. He says, in him, in Jesus, was life. Not physical life, because if we're able to read these words, we're still alive. We're not dead. We're still alive. So, so he's talking about a different perspective. And John's had all this time to think about it. He's had all these years to wonder. He's had all these moments to, to think about what, what it was like to be with Jesus and, and what Jesus' life meant to him. He's seen things come and go. He's seen people born and die. Destruction of everything that was important to his life. And yet he has the courage and the faith to pen the words. When I think about Jesus, the best way I know how to put it is, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, all mankind. And you can imagine that when Jesus came on the scene, uh, all of our Jewish friends they, back then, they were, they were excited. The Messiah had come, and you know that they were, they were at that point where they were thinking that Jesus is finally going to make a reckoning with Rome. And all of a sudden, that message is changed, and, and instead of Jesus continuing on the Old Testament, John sits back as an old man, and he begins to ponder the life of Christ. And he says in his mind and in his heart, he says, I realize now that Jesus didn't simply come for the Jews. Jesus came for all mankind. John was there when Jesus had risen from the dead, and they gathered everyone together, and they asked Jesus some really important questions. They said, is now the time that you're going to make Israel a state? Is now the time that you're going to overthrow Rome? Jesus, is now the time that we're going to assemble all the people so that we can just make the world a different place for us as Jews, to reestablish our independence? And John was there after all those questions were asked, and Jesus said, you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. It's none of your business. The reason you're here is I'm going to send you into all the world. I'm going to send you into the world, into every nation, into every ethnicity. I'm going to send you into every culture. And I'm going to send you so that you can tell everybody about what it is about me, that God in flesh, and that God's grace is for all. And he began to also say to them that you all will be lights and you will carry the light of me into all the world. And then he says something really important. He's beginning to write his gospel, John is, and John said, writes these words. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not. And I kind of wonder if maybe he kind of paused for a minute and was thinking about that. What's the right word? The darkness has not what? What hasn't the darkness done? John is thinking in spite of everything, in spite of everything, in spite of everyone who's died, in spite of everyone who's been executed, in spite of all these things, in spite of the temple, the whole sacrificial system being destroyed, never to be resurrected again, in spite of all that, the light of Jesus, this light of Jesus still shines. And you can almost feel the impressions of what John has in his heart. 
And John is thinking about this, and he says, In him was light and life and the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome the light. It cannot, nor will it ever. This is a man who got news that the Apostle Paul had been executed. He had gotten news that his dear friend Peter had been executed. Perhaps John was the last apostle alive at these moments of these things happening. And I can, I can just envision his face at that moment as he's penning these words. And he has a grin on his face with assurance when he says, Despite everything the world has tried to do to eradicate the light that is life, the darkness cannot, cannot overcome it. Think about it. Caesar couldn't do it. Tiberius couldn't do it. Nero couldn't do it. Not even the destruction of the temple could do it. The death of Jesus couldn't even snuff out the light. And this was John, the one who raced to the tomb on the morning of the resurrection, but yet he didn't go in because uh, people who are alive don't go in empty tombs, but yet Peter went inside. And then John was convinced as he saw what was happening, he appears, appears into the empty tomb. This is the same John who has breakfast with the risen Savior when Jesus restores Peter and commissions him to become the church. This was John who was absolutely convinced that no matter what happened in his life, that no matter what happens to you or me, no matter what it is that we face in this life, this is the same John that says no matter how deep your heartache is, no matter how extreme the circumstance that's devastating your life, this is the same John who says do not allow the fears of the world to overcome you because the light has overcome the darkness and the darkness cannot, cannot overcome the light. So at Christmas, at Christmas, when we're confronted with the fact that there are problems everywhere, when we're confronted with the fact that, that there are things that we can't solve, when we're confronted with the fact that other people are the problem or maybe we're the problem that other people are having, when it boils down to all these things, when someone is trying to solve that, when we can't solve it, when we're not sure, at Christmas we need to be reminded that Jesus is life and light who overcomes the dark. Jesus is the light of the world. So tonight of all nights, uh, I want you to remember, it's not just tonight, I want you to remember this 365 days a year. Jesus every day. Remember that Christmas is a season to remember that there is always hope. There is always hope of every day. Remember that there is always a reason to believe. Remember that God hears every prayer. And remember that there's a reason to wake up every single morning and get out of bed and start your life with something new, knowing that the light has overcome the darkness of the world.